with a comforting and reassuring truth that God finishes what he starts. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. God began the work in us. He wrote to the Philippians in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's the good news, that God has begun a work in you. When you surrender, when I surrender to him, then he made a commitment to us. He says, I will carry you on to completion. You just keep confessing, repenting, and I'll get you there. Grace is never an excuse for sin. It's the remedy. Where would any of us be but for the grace of God? Well, hello and welcome to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Pastor Ed has just begun a study of 1 Timothy, an important letter inspired by God, written by the Apostle Paul. Now, in chapter 1, we discover an autobiographical description of the Apostle. He uses himself as an example to showcase the grace of God in his life. Pastor Ed will focus on this very encouraging truth that we're saved and kept by the grace of God. Beginning by reading today's scripture, here's Pastor Ed. 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul writes, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry although I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent man, but I obtained mercy. Mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace, grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love. Faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King, immortal, eternal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith, and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I deliver to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for grace, how we need grace and mercy love, and faith, gifts from you. May they flow now down onto all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We actually sang these words in one of the songs we did this morning. But now am found. This is Paul being found. I love that line, I once was lost, but now am found. A story that kind of fits it of a young man that was 
talking to an elderly wealthy gentleman and asking him about his business adventures and how he had gained all his wealth. And the older guy said, well, son, it started in 1932 during the Great Depression. It was hard. And I was a young man, and I was down to my last nickel. I used it to buy an apple. And I polished that apple, and I polished it, and I polished it all morning long. And in the afternoon, late afternoon, I sold that apple for 10 cents. And the next morning, I bought two apples. And I spent all day long polishing those apples. And at the end of the day, I sold both of them for 10 cents each. And so on and so on, until at the end of the week, I had $3.50. And then my father-in-law died and left me $10 million. So, obviously, it was much less about his perseverance and work and a lot more about the uh, generosity of his father-in-law, his wife's father. Well, that's also true about our heavenly Father, that he is giving salvation, not to people who deserve it, who have earned it, who have worked for it, contrary to what we often hear. We can't earn it. You can't merit it. You will not ever deserve it. But God gives it because of his love for us. About 250 years ago, it was when John Newton wrote that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind. Now I see the most popular song ever written, evidently, according at least to a couple of sites. Now, the passage that I paused on 15 is is really, actually this section is a summary of Paul's amazing grace that came into his life, that he is writing to a young pastor, encouraging him. Remember, Timothy was protege of, of the apostle Paul, and he wrote two letters to him, or in the first one, and then the second one, and then to another young pastor named Titus, and these three letters together are often called the pastoral epistles, or the pastor letters, because these two young guys are just learning the ministry. Timothy is a pastor in his first church, and it's in a difficult place. It's in Ephesus. Ephesus was called the Queen of the East. It was a stunningly beautiful city covered with white marble from an island just off the coast, Patmos. And it was also the home to one of the seven wonders of the world, Diana. So everyone going east would go through there. A lot of trading going through this commercial city, but also a lot of vice and a lot of sin. And it was there that Paul had come and preached, and now he's gone on to northern Greece, and in fact, he ends up being arrested and writes this letter, we believe, from prison to Timothy. And he's encouraging this young man who's running into a fair amount of opposition. Nero is king by this time. This is very late in Paul's ministry. He will only be around for a year or two more before he's beheaded, and Timothy is feeling the pressure of the Roman Empire demanding emperor worship at this time. There's also some men in the church who had been there before Timothy came, and they've stumbled off into heresy, and they're named at the end of this section. And Paul is, again, trying to build this young man up to be encouraged by telling him about his own experience with God, of God's amazing grace. Grace, I love the word If you've been here very long, you've heard me mention a lot. I think it is the key 
to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes this word more than any of the other writers in the New Testament because he understood it. And this is how he came to understand it. Webster's Dictionary, the New World College edition says, grace is the unmerited love and favor of God towards human beings, divine influence acting in a person to make the person morally strong. The condition of a person brought into God's favor through this influence, a special virtue, a gift or help given to persons by God. The easy acronym for grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. There's an explanation too. It's been an area uh, long discussed and solidified by various councils of the church. I normally don't talk about the councils, but the Council of Orange and the Council of Trent arrived to this, that we are, quote, justified gratuitously because none of the things that preclude justification, being just as if I'd never sinned, whether faith or works merit the grace of justification. You can't earn justified. It's only because of what God did, and it's a gift to us. Now, the Apostle Paul has gone through a transition. Many have written about it. When we worked our way through one of the early letters of Paul to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was writing about himself. In verse 9 there he said, for I am the least of the apostles. Now the first time you read that, that may sound humble, but what he's really saying is I'm uh, one of the 12 most important guys on the planet. Uh, and so, forgive me for being a little brutal, but I want you to see where Paul's mind was. Well, he was the last one of the apostles appointed by Jesus Christ. Then about 20 years later, he's gone through a lot. The Holy Spirit's had a chance to work on Paul, just like he's working on you and I. And Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, 8, for to me who am less than the least of all the saints, grace was given. So Paul has moved from the last of the 12 down to the least of all the saints of all the believers on the planet. Now it's the end of Paul's life. We are in his last letters, First and Second Timothy. And he writes, as we read in verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the first. I'm the worst, you could say. Paul is saying his past was the worst sinner on the planet. Now, that may sound off to you, but as we get into it, I think you'll see that Paul wasn't speaking hyperbole. He wasn't trying to speak in extraneous terms to make a point. He was dead serious about his condition. So, Paul was lost, and now he's found. Jesus found him. And most of us in this room have experienced that. Many of us were not looking for God when God found us and changed us radically. Now, Paul is contrasting his life with the religious trappings that he had had, warning against it in the first 11 verses we looked at last time. In this one, he's talking about all the grace that has come to him. Grace, faith, love, and we should add the word mercy to that, verse 12 through 14. Chief of sinners, 15 through 17. And then it is war, it is a battle. Probably felt like it this week because that's the way it is. 
Paul recognized it and he warns Timothy and us about it. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Now to take us deeper into this important section of Scripture found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Here's Pastor Ed. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. He has enabled me. Now, Paul gets his strength and ability from the Lord, and he talks about it very clearly that God is the supply, that he's not calling on his own resources. If you're doing that, if you're living your life under your own energy, uh, just your own drive, you're going to burn yourself out. Paul is talking about being sustained, not just salvation, but being sustained along the way by the grace of God. God began the work in us. He wrote to the Philippians in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's the good news, that God has begun a work in you. When you surrender, when I surrendered to him, then he made a commitment to us. He says, I will carry you on to completion. You just keep confessing, repenting, and I'll get you there. Then it's him that carries this along. Isaiah said it in the Old Testament as well. Speaking for God in Isaiah 46, 4, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. I love that last part. God is in the business of rescuing us. Sometimes it feels like at the last instant, right before everything comes collapsing in on us. Just when you think the worst is about to happen, he rescues us. Why does he wait till the last minute to watch us shake and tremor? No, no, so we'll know it was him that will recognize his hand. I was almost toast, Lord, thank you. Now, he's not saying that he was faithful. He's saying that God reckoned to him as faithful, counted me faithful. Another translation, NIV, considered me faithful. Living Bible, made me to be trustworthy. So Paul was reckoned by God. God looked at him and said, you're going to be faithful. And once again, this is a picture of what God sees in you and in me. He doesn't look at us where we are. He looks at us where we're going to be. He's able to see the finished product. He's not done with you yet. If you're feeling a little discouraged this morning, don't worry. He's still working, and he will continue to move you along the path that he has you on, who has enabled us, again, the recipient of God's grace, builds faith in us, so we'll try more. Faith has to be exercised, so we require us to take a, a step, and when we do, he makes it happen, so we'll take a bigger step and a bigger step. And we never arrive here in planet Earth. God's purposes and plans for us are being orchestrated by him. He called me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Every believer is a minister. We misuse this term in English constantly. The word minister means to serve. And every one of us have been called to serve. And I know some of you in this service serve 
in the next service in one of the ministries, the children's ministry and the nursery or, and God bless you if you work with the junior hires. I mean, goodness gracious. It takes real saints to work with junior hires, especially the boys. I remember, you remember what you were like when you were in junior high? Oh my goodness. So we salute you. We recognize the great grace that's on your life. Thank you for working with junior hires. Some of you might be called to be missionaries. We have some missionaries with us this morning. So God is looking for people to use, not people who are talented or particularly intelligent or well-educated or the beautiful people. He's looking for people who are faithful. He will say that, Paul says it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's writing to Timothy and telling him to pass on these things. He said, and the things that you have learned from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Faithful women who will be able to teach others. He doesn't say the people that are the most eloquent. He says, the people who are faithful, steadfast, anyone can be faithful. Anyone can continue to do it in the face of adversity. And, and, and we know, right? There's those days where you're, you're not feeling well or you'd rather do something else than serve Jesus. Oh, maybe it's just me. You guys, I'm sure, are also holy that you just wake up and go, how can I serve Jesus today? But me, <laughs> occasionally... God has to prod me. You know what a cattle prod is? He's got the 10,000 volt one for me. And it's just a normal part of ministry. You are a minister, believer. Step up, verse 13. Paul said, that was true, although I formerly was a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained a great gift. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. I didn't believe mercy. Paul says, I deserved the worst, but I got the best. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting good things that you do not deserve better than what you deserve. The church's worst persecutor became the church's greatest spokesman. That's grace in action. That's mercy in action. He's going to say that. He also became the greatest, clearest preacher and writer about grace because he experienced it so much. He said he was a blasphemer. He spoke against God. He didn't realize it at the time, he says, but he was saying horrible things against God the Son. When Jesus knocked him off his high horse on the way to Damascus, he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul was dumbfounded. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. You're blaspheming the creator of the universe, you dodo. That was in the Greek. It was just <laughs> persecutor, violated people. An insolent man, literally a violent aggressor. Paul was a terrorist, we would say today. He was a terrorist who believed he was doing what God wanted him to do, and he was killing men, women, and children in the name of God. The worst of the worst. Some people are so guilt-ridden that they think, well, 
God can't forgive me. You don't know what I did. And a woman tell me, God can never forgive me. Oh, yes, he can. Not because you deserve it, not because I deserve it, but because he gives it. God takes horrible people and turns them into servants of God Almighty. This is serious stuff. Paul says, consider Paul. <laughs> consider Saul of Tarsus. That's me. And that should give anyone hope. And that's this whole point here. If God would forgive Paul, he'll forgive anyone. Verse 14, and the grace, there it is. Love this word. Charis in the Greek language of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, overflowing, Paul said, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Now, he lumps four terms together, and they do fit together. He said, I receive mercy, and I receive grace, faith, and love. And they are all gifts from God. We don't deserve any of them. They all rightfully come under the heading of grace, because grace means gifts from God. These are all four gifts from God. Paul says he was given another gift besides grace and mercy, getting something that you didn't deserve, grace, but what he got was exceeding abundantly. It was more than he could handle. The word hupotolertible means hyper, to be more than, plenernizo means greater than, super amount. It's a double entendre. It's super, super abounding. <laughs> it means to overflow and to try and possess something that's in excess of what you can grasp. Isn't that a wonderful statement? That God's grace to you is more than you can take in. You can't contain it. It will spill out. It's like taking a, a cup and a saucer and say, can I have more coffee, please? And they start pouring and they start talking to you. They forget. They don't see what they're doing. The cup fills up, goes onto the saucer, over onto your leg. You jump up screaming because of hot. Not so with grace. You get more and more like the coffee, but it's a gift from God. And God's trying to get this. God's trying to increase our capacity for grace. You're not stuck in where you are. I'm not stuck where I am. God is in the process of increasing the volume of the container the grace goes in. You, you are a jar of clay. You are a mud pot. You are a cracked mud pot, Paul said. I am too. But God just keeps pouring more and more grace, and he increases your capacity to take in God's grace. Why? So you can hoard it? No, no, no. So you can give it away. So you can... Give to other people what you've received. Paul says, I'm a blessed man. God has blessed my life so I can be a blessing to others. Paul, you're in a prison when you write this. You're blessed? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's given me things that this world doesn't understand. Favor with the creator of the universe. This is just a short time. This is a launching pad for eternity. We're going to eternity. Did you get that? Poured it out on me abundantly. Then he makes this statement. This is one of those... World-changing statements that changed England. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exceptions that Christ Jesus came into the world to save wonderful people. This must be a misprint. Came to save religious people? Hmm. Came to save Baptists, Lutherans, Catholics, Methodists, packing house. Sinners? How could that be? How indeed. It's only by the grace of Jesus. A broad qualifying truth Pastor Ed Ray concludes with today on Growing Grace. Are you a sinner? 
then you qualify for God's saving grace. If you missed part of today's message or would just like to hear it again, go online to thepackinghouse.org or call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. We're also on YouTube at Packing House Christian Fellowship. Your support for Grow in Grace is not only needed, but greatly appreciated. And those that do this month will send you Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds. Maybe prayer to you is just something you do without much thought before a meal or just another thing to cross off your to-do list. There's great power through prayer, and this book will help elevate your thinking about it. To see how it truly makes a difference. This guidebook provides believers with information about the most effective way to use prayer to better understand God's Word, fully appreciate divine power, and more deeply commune with the Lord. Again, it's our way of saying thanks for your gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can reach us at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And then join us for the next Grow in Grace as our study of the New Testament continues with Pastor Ed Ray. And may God richly bless you as you grow in grace. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship. Side hall now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your